Hey guys, and welcome back to the You Know The Drill podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Barris, and my mate Robbie, two fourth-year dental students producing content for all your dental needs. Whether you're a dental student or applicant, if you want to learn more about the reality of dentistry, this is the podcast for you. If you want to keep up to date with all our episodes, follow our podcast on your platform, and check out our Instagram and TikTok at You Know The Drill Podcast. Thank you. So today we are joined by Dr. Amin to discuss the NHS system and address some common misconceptions around NHS dentistry. We'll also talk about why a significant number of young dentists aspire to work in the private sector. So, welcome onto the podcast, Dr. Amin. Hi, evening, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. So, um, just to start off very quickly, would you like to introduce yourself for our listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, as you heard, my name is Vatsal Vatsalamin. Uh, I'm essentially a general dental practitioner. I have been for 30 years, but I do wear a couple of other hats, um, including that of an educational supervisor for about 13 years and how I met you two, which is at uh, Guy's Dental School, uh, mm -hmm. where I am a clinical teacher. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Dr. Amin has, has told me quite a few times when I've messed up and you know, given me, given me some great feedback to make sure I don't do it again. So, uh, very, very grateful to have him on today. <laughs> Having a bit of exposure, Paris, <laughs> seeing what I do wrong on clinics. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Dr. Amin has, has a very, you know, experienced career and from our experiences on clinic, I thought it'd be a fantastic opportunity to just dig in further and, and learn from his experiences. So one thing that I think uh, I'd love to dive straight into is is a topic of NHS dentistry. So, you know, a lot of people don't really understand what the system's like. So if you had to kind of explain what NHS dentistry is and why it exists, you know. Oh, sure. Um, uh, first of all, I'd say to any young students or aspiring dentists, don't worry too much about this because the vast majority of graduates will enter the foundation training scheme. Uh, that's really a school for transitioning into clinical from clinical practice into the NHS system. And the purpose of that year is designed specifically for that. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the, the NHS system, when it was first conceived, not just for dentistry, but medicine, was it was a, a service that was seen to be free at the point of delivery. Um, that's kind of been lost over the last few decades because yeah. medical technology inflation has uh, you know, not kept pace with normal inflation. Um, but it's still a strong system. It has its critics. Um, but like it or not, most of the graduates will enter the NHS system if uh, nothing else but for a year. Uh, beyond that, uh, I'd venture a guess that most of them stay in the NHS system as opposed to going into um, the NHS hospital system. So uh, what I mean is the NHS general practice system. Yeah. And um, so with regards to some of the things pertaining to NHS dentistry, for example, um, you know, the pathway, um, could you just take us through that? Sure. <clears throat> so the, Really, there are two primary pathways. Mm -hmm. uh, one is you can go into the hospital pathway, uh, and usually you do that because you aspire to uh, specialist training. Uh, as I said earlier, the bulk of practitioners go into become GDPs, 
Yeah. Uh, and there is a third one, albeit this is an even smaller one, and that's community dentistry. So all three of those pathways have an NHS spine. Um, in, well, really, community and hospital is principally NHS. Um, it will be a while before you uh, come across any private pathway through that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, with also with regards to UDAs um, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean uh, the UDA system uh, first came into being in I believe two thousand and six, and it was developed to try and get dentists off what was called a treadmill system, yeah. where you're paid for literally the amount of work you do. Uh, by and large, that's been unsuccessful um, because they've just swapped one treadmill for another, really. So the acronym UDA actually stands for Unit of Dental uh, Activity. Activity, that's right. <laughs> Unit of Dental Activity. I went blank yeah. there for a moment. No, no, uh, so what, what happens is a practice will have, say, for example, a target of 12,000 UDAs to do in mm. that calendar year. Uh, fiscal year yes now that twelve thousand udas may be split between two dentists and to keep the numbers simple it's six thousand udas each okay now on the assumption that that target is met the practices paid a value per uda so let's say that's 20 pounds yeah so mm-hmm. you just multiply it all together and you get a final figure um now if the practice doesn't achieve that uda target uh, there are penalties and ranging from minor, which is a, called a clawback, where the NHS just takes some money back, right up to the threat of losing your contract, which is, from a commercial perspective for the owner, uh, pretty scary because you could lose your whole practice revenue if yeah. I assume it's all NHS. So there is a pressure to the system because you have to achieve your targets um however the nhs in their generosity will pay you uh on the assumption that you'll achieve the target on a monthly basis so you do get regular revenue coming into the practice uh but at the end of the year you have to pay with your pound of flesh and you have to achieve that target mm. the tolerance limits for that are pretty slender so, um, yeah, how much you can over overperform and underperform uh, are quite slender. You can't go over too much. You can't go under too much. So it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So we've kind of mentioned, you know, the pathways and also a bit about UDAs. And then just um, some of the positives about NHS dentistry being the fact that um, you get to work alongside or rather underneath um, consultants and specialists in a certain field, etc. How important do you think uh, mentorship is in the context of NHS dentistry? Yeah, look, I, I don't think mentorship is exclusive to NHS mm-hmm. dentistry. Yeah. Um, the cons- working under a consultant or a specialist, you're really, I think, there, Rob, uh, Robbie, you're referring to the hospital pathway. Yes. Um it's not so present in the general practitioner pathway. Okay. It is for the first year because you'll have an educational supervisor. Mm. But beyond the first year, there's an obvious dichotomy. If, if you move into the private sector, you can still 
uh, get yourself a mentor. Um, and mentoring now is viewed slightly differently. It's not a much older colleague who sits you down and puts you on the right path. Mm. It's much more subtle than that now. And it, it's almost, you could almost call it co-mentoring. Okay. Uh, so you can do that with in a buddy system. So I don't think it's an exclusive preserve of the NHS system. But I guess if you want, if you aspire to be a specialist, being in a hospital, so this isn't really a, a plus for the NHS, it's a plus for the hospital system. Okay. Um, yeah, the training goes further, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And um, so, okay, so touching on the private sector now, um just some advantages and disadvantages of both in your opinion so what are the main advantages for example of working in the nhs uh, sorry in the private sector compared to the nhs system okay so i think the and these will be personal to uh, yourself but in the private Mm -hmm. sector you have you have a little bit more independence so there's more decision making that's yours you have slightly more clinical freedom Mm. Uh, because there is the patient is paying for the treatment, usually a higher sum than they would on the NHS. Yeah. You have a greater flex on material choice, what equipment you use. Uh, but I think the main advantage is you have more time with your patients. So when you have an NHS system where you have to get a certain amount of UDAs uh, per year, which you know, distills down to per month, per day, and you've you've got your eyes on that. Sometimes you don't always feel you have enough time. So certainly from my perspective, that's one of the reasons uh, fairly early on in my career I left the NHS. I have to say I came back to it, but uh, that's the reason I left because I wanted time. I wanted to have the time to do the treatments that I'd been taught to do, my postgraduate training had taught me to do, and it just was proving too difficult in the NHS. Uh, on an advantage of the NHS is a regular paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get that as a private associate or practitioner, um, and you will see your income go up and down, it yo-yos. But at the end of each year, it does tend to level out, whereas on the NHS, it's just a regular paycheck. Um, as long as you get to your UDAs, of course, you must remember that. Um, So there are pros and cons. I think they both have different pressures. One isn't an easy ride compared to the other. Uh, When you're delivering private care, whilst you have more time and freedom of material and uh, equipment, Mm -hmm. the expectation level is much higher from the patient. And, yeah, that stands to reason. If they're paying a fair bit more, there is an expectation that they will receive a fair bit more. Whereas on the NHS, it's more to do with numbers of patients. You have to do a high volume of patients in order to um, achieve what I, I would say reasonable financial targets. I, I'm not talking about becoming a millionaire doing dentistry in the first few years, but what I would say is a reasonable income for someone who's studied for five years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so... You mentioned, um, of course, the advantages and disadvantages of, you know, both sectors of dentistry. So um, when you approached us, uh, sorry, when we approached you to do this episode, you gave us the idea of talking about some of the common misconceptions around the NHS. So 
If you could clarify what some of the common misconceptions are regarding the NHS and how you would address them. Yeah, I think the the feeling I've had over over the last 10 years when I meet young dentists, they're all desperate to get out of the NHS because they think it's a dead end. Uh, And I'm not sure I completely agree with that. I think certainly early in your career, it's an excellent uh, place to hone your skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have that pressure of having to get everything spot on. Uh, You still have to provide a a good standard of care, uh, but you can hone your skills, you know, in a cosseted environment, certainly for, during foundation training, yeah. uh, and take the pressure off. When I've had young associates wanting to transition into private dentistry in my practice, what I've said is, look look at our normal fee for, say, a crown mm-hmm. uh, and halve it. Uh, do it for that. You won't make much money, but it takes a lot of the pressure off because when you're looking at a crown and thinking of charging someone £600, until you've done that a few times, it, it does make you um, a little bit nervous. So the NHS does away with all of that. Um, the UDA system, you know, that gets a lot of criticism because, for example, if you have a patient who in one treatment plan needs 10 fillings and or you have another parallel patient needs two, the fee's the same, whether it's two fillings or 10 fillings, and most people throw their arms up in the air and think that's just unjust. Um, mm. What the CDO would tell you, and I'm not the CDO's mouthpiece, by the way, is that, look, it swings and roundabouts, and sometimes you'll get someone who needs a single class five Uh that's the smooth that goes with the rough that's the patient with um, 10 fillings. The other point I would argue is when you're young uh, and you're new into dentistry, what you really want more than uh, remuneration is experience. And I think the experience the NHS provides you, it's very difficult to attain that in the same number of years working privately. So, Early on in your career, whilst you're making a decision on the two, I think the NHS is a good place to be. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there seems to be this, uh, you know, like, as, as you said, like, this idea that the NHS is bad, is inherently bad, and you want to get out as quickly as possible, especially as, as you know, as, as dental students, as kind of the general aesthetic um, and feel is that, you know, everyone just kind of wants to get into private as quickly as possible and you know based on what you've you've mentioned I, f- I feel like the NHS does hold a lot of benefits especially with experience and getting to a level of comfortability where you feel you know I can do these treatments and um yeah your absolutely knowledge improves, basically yeah mm. uh, and the other the other way of posing this question is how many uh first year graduates are ready for private sector dentistry uh Mm. look i wasn't uh but i'm not sitting here thinking because i wasn't no one else's uh but there aren't many uh it's so so much more demanding not just the treatment you deliver but your service levels and that comes from a lot of it comes from experience i know uh i mean you guys are fairly good communicators uh and I don't mean four fourth-year students. You're just good communicators. Yeah. But um, without being unkind, if you look at the rest of your peers, they're, they're, they're fairly green, mm. they're inexperienced, and they don't have the confidence to talk to someone um, 
in the way you would expect in a swish private practice charging mm. uh, high fees so you know just be patient take your time yeah, yeah. very interesting point. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very 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 good point i think uh, I, I stressed it a lot like myself and robbie in conversations with others as well that fact that you know communication is is an essential part in dentistry it's not just your clinical your your knowledge and excellence it's it's mm. the way you communicate that with the patient the way that you interact and you know, not only develop that rapport, but ensure that. Yeah, it, 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 it's a delicate sport because a lot of people see it as you know transactional. Sometimes, like you know, you're selling a treatment. But, yeah, and that all comes with how you communicate. Well, look, if you can't communicate <clears throat> effectively, you won't get a chance or an opportunity to demonstrate your expertise. Uh, you won't get a take up in uh, treatment plans, and mm. trust me, patients smell inexperience, doubt, and lack of confidence. They smell it. They, they do it every year in my practice. Mm. <clears throat> and what they will do is they will try and guide a young dentist. I'm not saying all patients do this, but a lot will do this, try and guide you into the treatment plan they think is correct when they've got no expertise in it. And that's purely mm. inexperience. They sniff it out. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it will come, but it just takes time. Uh, and I've got colleagues who, after 10 years, still love the NHS. It, it's very rewarding to be a part of the NHS. Um, another, I mean, this is more commercial, uh, is the pe NHS pension. You, you, it's very hard to replicate that privately. Uh, I don't think it's a reason to choose one over the other, but it's just another gain for the nhs i think you should practice the type of dentistry you want to practice long term when you're ready yeah and there was a very interesting point you made um earlier about um you know how many of us are actually ready to go straight into private um once we've graduated and and that really resonates with me because at the end of the day we're signed off as safe beginners and i fully agree with you and i I don't think many of us who are signed off as, you know, safe beginners um, necessarily have the expertise and the experience necessary to go straight into private practice. That's not saying everyone can't, but majority of the time, you know, um, I don't, I don't think it would be wise to go straight into private practice. Um, yeah. And then also another point you mentioned regarding earlier on um freedom of you know the procedures that you want to do and you know having more time with your patients i think that's probably a big reason for um so many young dentists wanting to go into the private sector so kind of i was just going to add to your point robbie i, yeah. I completely agree uh but one of the other misconceptions is private dentists earn so much more money than nhs now, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily true, not in your early days. Uh, it's true that the glass ceiling of earnings in NHS dentistry is much lower. Okay. Uh, but if I, a, a very simplistic way of explaining it is in a, a private setting, you might charge double the fees, but you take twice as long doing it. So the net financial gain is zero. So if you view it like that, and I, I know I'm oversimplifying and you'll have to forgive me for that, but if you view it like that, then that gives you a, a much fairer chance of making a decision. Do you want to do NHS dentistry or do you want to do private dentistry? Um, it's not necessarily more lucrative. Uh, if you want to make money in dentistry, 
then you need to own lots, and I haven't done this, but you need to own multiple practices and enter the corporate world. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And that's a very another very interesting point about the net gain. Um, so kind of touching upon um, uh, young dentists a bit more. So in your opinion, um, if so many young dentists continue to make that transition to private dentistry earlier on in their career, what does the future of NHS dentistry hold? Oh, I, uh, I think the future of NHS dentistry is bright, Robbie, uh, because there may be a, a real wish for young dentists to move into private, but the market has to be there. And it's much more of a capitalist market, private dentistry. So patients work, vote with their feet. Um, and if you're not good enough or there isn't sufficient demand, there isn't a market. Mm. So I think it's uh, it's self-limiting. Having said that, the pandemic has uh, burgeoned the private market. A lot of patients have left the NHS for artificial reasons, really, because NHS wait lists have um, grown to you know, enormous levels and patients didn't really want private care and now having their arm forced or their mm. hand forced uh, going into private. But I think that will come back. I think that will come back, is my view. Okay. That's uh, reassuring to hear um, that there's a positive outlook on, on NHS dentistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere fast. Um, <laughs> it's underfunded. It's definitely underfunded. And that's yeah. one of the reasons it's slowly, slowly decaying. Yeah. Uh, I can't see, without turning into this, uh, turning this into a political uh, podcast, I can't see funding increasing for dentistry without uh, a significant change in taxes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, def definitely. I think yeah. it was... Uh raises one like the prime minister's questions like last week and it was a it was a historic moment like what they're actually talking about dentistry for once um so it's, you know we'll it's see. too small a political football farris yeah. uh we get uh, we literally are the proverbial football we get kicked around we don't have a very strong political voice it's a shame but we don't and i can I, I say that relative to the medics mm. uh, who have teeth ironically <laughs> <laughs> yeah true. true um so so why do you think that is actually just touching on that why do you think our voice is not as loud as as the medical profession oh uh i think it's just numbers and also you know the average person in the street uh values uh their health or their general health over their teeth i mean we're trying desperately hard to educate patients as to why teeth are important and perform more than the social function. Uh, but, you know, it's not as emotive as talking about hip replacements. So the medics have a – there's more of them by far, uh, and they have, I think, more sympathy from patients. If you read the press, dentists are generally made out to be, uh, you know, pretty much the antichrist uh and <laughs> patients uh, patients take that they they swallow a hook line and sinker yeah. you you won't see many positive articles about dentists you just hear yeah. about people having to pull their teeth out themselves with pliers uh i'm not i'm not to work all the press but some of the press that's what yeah. you read so uh, that's true it's a hard sell being a dentist trust me 
Mm. Definitely is. Definitely is. But you know, it's what you got to do. We, we, <laughs> we love teeth. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I just love when whenever you meet like you know, just like friends, family, friends, or whatever, and kind of talk about dentistry. It's a it can be a hard sell sometimes. Like, oh yeah, why do you want to do it? It's like, yeah, just you know, I don't know. Just like yeah. teeth. <laughs> what else can uh, I say? Trust me, I've given up. <laughs> I used to defend when when you know you meet relatives or friends and they say, oh, so your dentistry, and they've got that look in their face that's yeah. a failed medic. And I think <laughs> no, no, it's it's the same requirement to get on. It's the same workload. It's the same length, of course, but they think in very very and look this is true of my medic friends they think of dentistry in very very simplistic terms mm. you know to dumb it down they think we we fill teeth they have no idea of the thought that goes behind molar root endo because yeah. uh, that level of detail doesn't exist in medicine if you're not in the spe- in a specialist field doesn't exist yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know i've given that up trying to justify my existence is futile I'm just, I'm just here to exist. <laughs> I'm just here to exist. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a weird one because you know people don't as well realize that um, you know teeth can affect your general, you know, medical um, health as well because you know we learned so much about how oral healthcare impacts mm-hmm. your general healthcare and your general well-being. So I think um, people. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. systemic link. So, yeah. and also psychologically as well, if people mm. are a bit shy about smiling, etc., I think um, we definitely need a louder political voice. But, anyways, let's not get into that. Let's um, <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's go on to the penultimate question. So, what, well, can I can I uh, ask? Can I just interject yeah, yeah. on that? Mm-hmm. There's one question you haven't asked me, which I was anticipating. Yeah. So earlier on, I said I left. Uh, NHS dentistry to practice private dentistry, but mm. I did, however, come back. Uh, I need to explain the reason because this is a big mm-hmm. plus for the NHS, yeah. <clears throat> and that was um, education. So okay. in order to be an educationalist, mm-hmm. it really helps if you work within the NHS system, whether you're in practice or whether you're at um, guys, because mm-hmm. to be an educational supervisor, you have to have a certain NHS output. and I really, really wanted to be a foundation trainer. And to that end, I did actually dip my toe back in the NHS. Um, And when I sold my practice, it was about half NHS, half private. That's from completely private going, in some people's view, backwards. And I did that also that we could be a foundation training practice. Um, You can't do that if you're a private dentist. Mm, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for, um, enlightening us. Um, so yes, um, there is a couple more questions we have. Um, so what advice, what main advice would you give to those young dentists out there who are unsure about whether or not to switch from the NHS to the private sector? Um, this is not a truism. It's a generalism, but I would say, look, I think on average, I stress a bit on average, uh, it takes about five years to find yourself whether you want to do NHS uh, dentistry or private dentistry. The default in that time would be to remain in the NHS sector and slowly transition into the private sector to dip your toe in that. So 
don't rush, don't make a decision in haste. I mm-hmm. certainly think as a student or a foundation dentist, it's too early. Yeah. So uh, be patient. You'll find out what sort of animal you are and what makes you tick, <laughs> what kind of pressure you enjoy and makes you thrive. Um, otherwise, it's guesswork. I think too early, it's guesswork. Okay. Perfect. Perfect piece of advice. Yeah. Being patient, basically. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I think that advice is fantastic, but, um, like if I have to be very honest with myself, sometimes you kind of think I do want to be patient. I do want to gain that clinical knowledge, but you know, the scope of private dentistry is, is always in your face and you're kind of thinking, just want to dive right in. But yeah, you know, I guess, I guess you have to be a bit, take it slow. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Baby steps. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think that's not because you got, I'm not saying you're going to do do your dues, but mm. it just does take that time. Look, while you're doing NHS uh, dentistry, or let's say predominantly NHS dentistry, go and do the courses that you mm. want to do. Uh, and then you've got to hone those skills. You're not going to go on a course and come out and be brilliant at that treatment modality. You then have to put it into practice. Mm. Yeah. And much easier if you're in the NHS True. to put that into practice, even though you might lose money on the treatments. Uh because you're spending way too long. <laughs> it's a good way of honing your skills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, um, yeah. Okay. So final question now. Um, this is a question we like to ask every guest that comes into the podcast. Um, and it is, what is one tip that you would give to someone who is thinking of applying to dentistry? Um, Make sure it's what you want, and that's not easy uh, at age of 17, would you say, guys, yeah. or 16? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make that decision yeah. is a big one mm-hmm. because it's a vocational course and it's more vocational than medicine. You will become very good at one very, very esoteric skill. Uh, so make sure it's what it's what you want. How you do that is a little bit more difficult to answer, but you know, try and spend time with your local dentist, talk to yeah. dentists, yeah. and see what each one makes them tick. Uh, I think you need to see more than one person, or at least talk to more than one person, um, and be careful of the hard sell. Uh, if I get young dentists coming to see, uh, sorry, young want to be dentists coming to see me, I'll try and give a balanced view of dentistry, but. I would always be slightly more pessimistic than optimistic. I'd hate to talk someone into it. Mm, okay. It's not right for. So yeah. just try to just see if, if it's what you really want to do and you think you can do for the next 30 years. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. It was a very interesting episode. Um, and, yeah, so thank you guys for listening to the You Know The Drill podcast. Yep, and to find out more about dentistry, the application process, and stay up to date with the podcast, make sure you follow us at You Know The Drill Podcasts on Instagram and TikTok, and at Faris Den on YouTube for all your dental needs. Thanks for listening. See ya.